All right, yeah, clap for them. So congratulations, seniors. We are so happy for you. It's great to have many of you moving to other H2O churches. Some are sticking around. Wherever God is taking you, we're so thankful for you, and uh, we really appreciate you. I wanted to start off with a story. Last fall, my wife and I were going to visit some good friends in Wisconsin, Rob and Lisa Warren. And while we were there, we had a great visit, and I was preaching there, and we had a great time of fellowship with everyone. And on the last day, I noticed my ear, my eyes started getting extremely irritated. And I'd had my contacts in for a really long period of time. And toward the end of the trip, when we were heading to the airport, I took my contact lenses out, and I had this intense severe pain, the worst pain I've ever had in my eyes. And I just started kind of panicking because it was so incredibly painful. We get to the airport and I'm just kind of freaking out and, I'm, and the pain's just getting worse. I can't see, my eyes are watering. And uh, I'm thinking if I get on this plane and have a panic attack, this is just going to be miserable. So we're debating on what to do. We called an ambulance. It was that bad. Uh, they couldn't help me. And I decided Marilyn was just going to fly home and I was going to go to the emergency room uh, there in Madison. And uh, I found out that I had corneal tears on my eyes from my contact lenses, which was one of the most, again, painful things that I could experience. In the next few days, uh, I went to the uh, optometrist and they said, yeah, this is a really painful thing. When I went to the emergency room, they gave me these drops instantly that just took away the pain. It was incredible. I was at a, like a 10 pain level and they dropped these things in my eyes and the pain went down to a zero. And I was like, give me a squirt bottle of whatever that is. That is amazing medicine. They said, we can't do that. It's kind of a powerful thing that uh, you can't just keep squeezing into your eyes. They gave me some Vicodin. I sold that on the black market and paid for my emergency trip. Just kidding. Um, but it was such a painful experience that I will never forget. And it has really made Matthew chapter 7 come alive, which we're going to read here in a moment, when Jesus is talking about a, a splinter in your eye or a, a speck in your eye. You know, Jesus was a carpenter for most of his life. I imagine when he was giving this analogy about not judging others and about this, this dust in our eye or this sawdust in our eye, he probably had some real-life experience of what it's like to have this painful thing in your life, in your eye, that inhibits you to see what's actually going on. This is an amazing passage. It's a great passage. And he talks about this not judging one another. Because today, I want to talk about the unity that we need to have of purpose together. And this passage is, is so amazing because uh, it talks about this speck in your eye and how it inhibits you from really seeing. And we're going to talk about a little bit more about really understanding where other people are. And there's two kinds of judgment in the Bible. Just to clarify this before I read it, there's a judgment that we're supposed to have in our lives. You know, when we see somebody steal or we see somebody doing something dishonest, we look at that in judgment and we say, yeah, we believe that that's wrong. But then the Bible talks about this unhealthy judgment that we can have toward one another where we think negatively about people, that kind of judging. Or we, we look down on people that have different views or do things that we don't prefer. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 7. Let's read 1 through 5. Jesus says this, Do not judge, 
or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus gives this analogy that you want to take this speck out of someone else's eye. I would imagine if you didn't have a mirror back in that time and you got something in your eye and you're in incredible pain, you're like, you just need help. And, and this person's coming along wanting to go into your eye, into something very sensitive, into your pain. But they have a plank coming out of their own eye. So they're probably in their own pain. They probably have their own vision uh, inhibited, and they are not going to be able to help each other. Jesus uses this extreme example saying, when you and I are wanting to help each other, when you and I are wanting to critique each other, we need to be aware of our own lack of vision, our own blindness, our own issues, our own pain, that may be involved in this that's tainting our view with one another. And it's so important to realize that we come together in all these relationships, in all of life, with these different views, with these different possible judgments and these different opinions. And God calls us all through the Scripture to not judge in this unhealthy way, but to come together with this unity of purpose. So the big idea for today is a quote that many of us have heard and we've talked about uh, over the last few weeks as Priscilla Schreier says this, unity does not mean sameness. It means oneness of purpose. You see, as we come together to do mission together, as we come together to do life together in church, we realize that this unity that we have together, this oneness, does not mean that we all believe in the same preferences and the same opinions. It doesn't mean that we just have to be you know, in agreement with everything in this realm of what we're dealing with, but it does mean that we are very excited about the one purpose that binds us together. So why is this so important? And why are we talking about this? Well, I imagine you probably know why we're talking about this. This is a timely teaching because of all that's going on in our world. There's a lot of difficult things going on in our world right now. And our leaders and our businesses and our families and everybody's coming together to make decisions. To make hard decisions. And this is an important message for us today in our church and in our families and in our community because we don't want to let the animosity of the world or the division in our country leak into the church. You know, if you're just out there on Facebook or realizing what's going on with all these decisions about reopening and how do we come back together and masks and no mask and distance and, and what should be open in all the different realms that we live it's hard to make all these decisions. And we're no different as a church trying to love each other and decide these things together. But we don't want to let the animosity and anger that's in the world creep into our own Christian lives. 
We want to demonstrate the gospel, and we really want to understand each other. We want to listen, and we want to love each other as God has called us together to love each other with empathy and understanding. You know, years back when I was a high school science teacher, one of the years, you know, they ask you to do some extracurricular things to help out in the school. They asked me to be the, the coach of the debate team. This little high school that I was at asked me to be the coach for the debate team. I don't know why they asked me. Maybe they thought I liked to debate, which I do like to debate. But I really didn't know that much about debate team or how they compete against other high schools. But we gathered together and we started kind of reading the manuals of how to debate. And we looked at the Lincoln-Douglas debates from 1858 and the procedures and all these different things. And it was fun and it was exciting. But you know, one of the first things you learn in debate team is this. Know the other team's arguments. That's the first thing that you learn. That's the first thing that you do in practicing on debate team is to understand and know what the other side's main points are so that you can really think through that and process. And we would practice, and then sometimes they would switch sides on whatever cause they were uh, arguing for or discussing so that you know the other people's sides. And you know this is really valuable. It's so important in community because our thoughts and our ideas that all of us bring to our relationships and our church and our community and our marriages, all of our thoughts and ideas are valuable. They're really valuable. But the negativity and the shaming that could come out in that is not of God. It's divisive. We need to be able to have a healthy place where you and I talk about our ideas and we share our thoughts and, and the things that we're reading and the things that we're pondering, we can talk about those and that's awesome. But the negativity and shaming that could come out of that only brings division and brings us apart. I was reading on, on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook very often. I don't enjoy Facebook that much, but I was trying to just stay tuned in. And I was reading some Things from two Christian people that I respect, not in this town, some people that I've known from, from back in the day, people that I love and respect, and I was reading their commentary on everything that's happening in this world, and they could not have been more polar opposite. I was just shocked in reading these. These are people that love the Lord, people that look to the Bible for answers. And one person wrote something just so strongly on this side, and the other one was so strong on the other side. And I was just shocked. I was like, wow, this is something that we really need to talk about. This is something that we need to bring to the light so that we're doing it in a godly way. And I've noticed something that's a difficulty in all these relational troubles that we have is we have this possibility of mixing up truth with stereotypes, or we mix up the truth with these assumptions about what the other people are believing. And it can be really difficult to work together when we do this. And I'm going to just give you an, an idea here. I, I kind of gathered some thoughts, and I just kind of articulated it, and you're going to kind of see some healthiness and some unhealthiness in this. But here's some of the things that I put together from what I read, the one side says this, we need to love people by being patient to reopen. We sacrifice to serve and protect the vulnerable. That's so important. Those that don't are impatient, reckless, and selfish. 
Now you see how at the end of that, they kind of put that jab in there. You see how they kind of made that into a negative thing that anybody that's not living the way that, that this says, says they're, they're automatically impatient and they're reckless and they're selfish. And this can be a, a belief on this one side. Now, let's hear the other side and what some of the people are saying. The other side may say it like this. We need to love people by trusting them with freedom. We allow people to work and provide for their families in a safe way. Those that oppose this are cowardly, scared, and overreacting. You can see in a similar way how there's some, some gospel in here and there's some freedom and people need to be able to provide for their families. And then all of a sudden there's kind of this um, accusation. There's this assumption of people's fears. And really I find both of these to be very difficult to glorify God in when there's not a deep understanding. It reminded me of James chapter 1 in 19 and 20. It says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God desires righteousness from all of us, regardless of what's going on in our world, regardless of the trial, God is asking us to be righteous people. And one of the ways that we do this, one of the ways that we really love each other is by listening and understanding what the other people are saying so that we can be wise and we can show empathy and we can grow in wisdom. Not to be people that are just quick to talk, quick to show our, you know, that we're right. And if we're not um, being understood as being right, that can grow into this anger. That isn't what God wants. But he says, I want you to love each other by listening. And you know, I've just been so thankful for our church. And I've been so thankful for our staff team because we have been really working hard at this. And for those of you that are listening, it's probably important for you to know that we all on our leadership team and our elder team and our everybody that's coming together in our staff meetings, we don't always see eye to eye on everything that goes on in this world and in ministry. And I love that. And I'm just so proud of our team and the way that we're trying to communicate to one another. Because you see, if we see that speck in the other person's eye, and we're trying to go in there to try to pull that out, that can be a very painful process. That can be a very difficult process to see clearly through our own experiences and our own pain. But the Bible says if you listen and you understand, it makes a world of difference. And I think our staff team would say that a lot of times, you know, the medicine that takes that pain away from what's going on in our life isn't that we're always listen to in a way that like we agree or that we go with that suggestion, but just the understanding. To be able to share something and say, man, people understand me. We might not go with that decision, but just the fact that we understand where you're coming from in your heart, that's important to me. And I know that that's important to many of you. So here's another take on how we should and how we should communicate this. This, I think, should be the church's response. We are united 
in the gospel. That's the most important thing. Never lose sight of that. Embrace and give grace to both sides. Support people by encouraging them to live by their conviction before God. You see, as we go through this life, we're going to have some different convictions. We're going to have some different preferences as we do ministry together. And you know, the best advice that we can tell you is pray and get before God and ask him to speak to you. And as those convictions that he gives you, as he speaks to your heart, you go with those convictions. You live according the best you can of what God is telling you. You know, the reason that we can say that with such clarity is because of God's word. In Romans 14, this chapter has been brought up a lot in the churches over this season. And if you're not too familiar with Romans 14, I encourage you to read that chapter today. And what Romans 14 really is about is there's a division. There's a fight going on. There's conflict, and people don't know exactly what to do. And it's about what meets to eat. In just the simplest way, it's over what we eat. And it also talks about what days are, are sacred and what days are not. And the Christians are having trouble coming together. And in this beautiful chapter, it talks about these things that we've been celebrating. Is Number one, we're unified in the gospel. And any time we can sacrifice or we can hear what's going on with other people, we want to serve them. We want to hear what they're saying and we want to honor them. And in Romans 14, 12, there's a lot in that chapter, but here's just one thing to kind of tie it up. It says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. It says, as you're figuring out how to live, and what decisions to make and to lead your own life. Remember, each of us has to stand before God and give an account. It says later on, happy is the person that's not condemned by what they approve. So it's about living by our convictions, even though in church and in ministry, those convictions may vary. In Romans 12, 18, it says something similar. As far as it is up to you, live at peace with all people. I've been so excited about learning what this means to be at peace with all people. And back to the big idea of this message, that does not mean that we agree on all things. Matter of fact, that's when the real trial of having peace and having cohesiveness together is that when we don't agree on things, and when we don't see things the same as everyone else. And I have been so excited that God has called us to this mission in H2O Bowling Green that we have been doing this mission for over 35 years. We've built this network over the last 10 or 12 years. And as it's become larger and it's become more diverse, there's probably differing beliefs and differing practices. But we have remained committed to our purpose, our number one purpose of the gospel. So I just want you to know, anyone that's listening, I we're just so thankful for what God is doing here. And we'll be the first to admit, we do not have all the answers. You know, I, I sometimes sit in those staff meetings, and I think, man, if they would just see that I'm the expert on this, this would be so much easier. Why don't they just listen to me? Don't they know how much I know? Boy, life would be great. I know you've probably thought that too. 
Don't people see what I'm reading? Don't they know what I understand? And if they would just listen. But if I come to you and say, I'm the expert on this, you should be weary. If anyone says that, I'm the expert and you really need to listen to me, always take that with a grain of salt and bring it to God's word, which is our ultimate truth, our ultimate authority. So I'm thankful that I don't always get my way. I'm thankful that there's times that I am wrong and I have a loving group of people around me to help me and work as a team because we love Jesus. So thankful for that. So here's our purpose. Here is our one purpose that's so important. And I hope that you've heard this many times and maybe you're, you need to hear it again or maybe you've never heard this before. You're saying, well, what is this church all about? How do all these different people get together and function together? Because we have a fire in us for our one purpose. And it is said so well in 1 Peter 1. 3 through 9. This is a little longer passage, but I want to read it to you so that you're clear and you know why we love each other, why we work together, why we put everything we have into glorifying God. And here is that passage. 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. Really listen and, and soak this in and meditate on it this week. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have new life because Jesus Christ rose from the dead and we can have the forgiveness of our sins. He rose from the dead and He gave us an inheritance that can never perish. We have an inheritance in heaven that can never go away, cannot perish Spoil or fail. Wow. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That inheritance, your heavenly destination through your faith in Jesus Christ is held steady by God through your faith. Let's read on. In all this, you greatly rejoice. This brings us joy. It's our greatest joy. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We've been going through trials, haven't we? But that's temporary. These have come. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of our faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Man, that's our prayer for every one of you hearing that you would have an inexpressible joy, a real fire in you, a peace and a strength and a joy that only comes from knowing that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's living inside of you. And at the end of your life, you are going to be in heaven with him. 
the salvation of your soul is possible through Jesus Christ. We're so united. We invest all of our time and our talents and our treasures in that purpose. And that is why we're going to get through this together. And that is why we're going to be unified because of what Jesus has done for us. So I'm just going to pray and ask that you'd understand that in deep ways and that God would continue to knit our hearts together. Let's pray. God, what a joy, what an amazing promise that you have given us. Lord, the salvation of our souls. Lord, in this time of trial and tribulation, Lord, help us to be all the more a team that loves you and glorifies you. Give us listening ears. Give us an understanding heart. Give us compassion and empathy no matter who we encounter or what we hear. And God, we do all that not because we're nice people or we're good people or we have no opinions. We do that because we love you and we want to love other people so that they would know the hope of Jesus. Thank you, God, that no matter what is going on in the world, we have an inheritance protected for us in heaven. And that is what we give all of our life for. Lord, let that burn in our hearts today and let that overflow into our relationships and every conversation that we have. Lord, we can only do this through your power and your spirit. And God, I'm just so blessed to be in this relationship with you, to understand that more and to be in a body of believers that understand that with me. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the unity. Thank you for the love and the understanding. Lord, we are truly grateful and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.